to think about where you are in the journey this morning. And as we look, and as we've looked in Matthew, we come across a section of Scripture where Jesus is speaking in parables or is telling a parable, which basically is just a story, a simple story to relate profound truths. And he tells this story about, it is the story of the sower, but it could also be called the story of the soil. What type of soil do you and I represent? Because the truth of the matter is, you can have the right kind of sunlight, you can have the right type of fertilizer, you can have all the water that you need to produce a good crop. But if your soil is not right, you and I will never produce the type of fruit that God wants to yield from us. So this morning, as we look in the passage of Scripture, I want us to think about what type of soil encompasses our lives. Uh, Not what type of plant you want to be, not what type of nutrients you want to draw, not uh, what type of life you want to have, but what type of soil is working in you and through you to produce the fruit that God's intended. Now, if you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't really, I don't know that I've ever produced fruit. Uh, It's not because you were not created to produce fruit. If you're not producing good fruit, it's not because you weren't created to produce good fruit. But it goes back to the basics of what type of soil does your life encompass. And the scary thing is that when we look in Matthew chapter 13... The scary thing is that it's possible to have sight. It's possible to have ears that hear. But yet you and I are not able to see or hear the truth of God. We typically cast individuals who are lost as enemies of God's work. We try to create these figments of our imagination and we say and we think to ourselves we're doing okay you know we we kind of we kind of have a half-baked idea of the surroundings of the world and who's in charge and the right perspective and so we tend to think of lost people or lostness as other than us that's why we get involved in missions because we want to give money so that we can help in lostness around the world and we usually equate lostness as being over there somewhere. Uh, But I want to constantly remind us that there is as much lostness here as there is over there, wherever there might be for you and for me. I was interviewed this week by somebody that was doing a project and uh, the person that was was interviewing me asked me, uh, do I think in the Bible Belt of Northeast Tennessee, uh, really, I mean, should we not be planting churches you know, elsewhere? Should we not be reaching out of this community and trying to do something in the third world? And I said, well, you know, we, we're involved in third world missions, um, but you don't have to go to the third world for lostness. And if you think, and if I think, and if we think that our energies and our efforts 
to go and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, we are naive to assume that that doesn't require us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth in this neighborhood, in this community. I could dismiss us right now at this very hour, and you could go to Walmart, and you will run into people that live right here in Carter County that did not attend church at all that are not connected to a faith group. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and stand, stand and tell you that because people don't attend church every Sunday morning that they're going to hell. But what I will tell you is a, a person that wants to produce the right kind of fruit, the fruit that God has intended for us to produce, is going to be vitally connected to a faith-based congregation that's seeking the Lordship of Christ and that's applying His rules, His guidelines, His law, His gospel to everyday circumstances. Now, I understand that you could say, well, uh, you shouldn't judge them, Todd, because if you go to Walmart, they could have easily gone to church Saturday night uh, in another congregation in this area. Uh-huh. I bet so. The reality is there are some that attend a Saturday evening worship. But the ones that I'm talking about don't attend worship anywhere. And they equate Easter... with a cute little bunny. Hop, hop, hippity hop. That's what they equate Easter as. Do you know why bunnies are here at Easter? Does anybody have any idea? Why, why, do we, why, why is Easter the, the bunny? Because bunnies represent fertility. If you have two bunnies, you have thousands of bunnies. Okay? They're very prolific. And we get the word Easter, and I'm chasing a rabbit here, no pun intended, but we get the word Easter from a word known as Ishtar. Ishtar was a fertility goddess who was represented by a cute little bunny. So let's get this straight. Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. We put him in a tomb. And the church dies Easter eggs. And celebrates the Easter Bunny. Now, I'm not against celebrating the holiday of Easter. I'm not against celebrating Easter Bunnies. I think they're cute and cuddly and warm and everything else. But there are people in our community that do not connect Easter to the death and resurrection of Christ. We have confused a lot of times the gospel with cultural phenomena. And I'm all about embracing culture to the extent that culture embraces Jesus. We've got to allow the main thing to be the main thing. Easter is not about Easter bunnies. It's not about dying eggs. It's not about buying a new outfit for your child or dressing in a new suit or putting on a new tie. It's not about an Easter lunch where you take your loved ones out to eat or you go to have a big, big family shindig. It's about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Now, that might not matter to you and me in the here and now, but I can assure you that it's not only going to matter to us in the future, it's going to matter to every single person in Carter County, in northeast Tennessee, in the southeastern part of the United States, in the whole country, in North America, across all seven continents, and in this entire universe. Because there is a day coming where every man, boy, and child, and even those who don't understand whether they're a man, a boy, a woman, or a girl, or a child, there's a day coming where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What type of soil do we embody in our lives? Because it is, it is really possible... It is really possible to be able to see and not to see. It is possible to hear and not be able to hear. And all, listen, men, all you have to do is ask your wives that question. You ask them. Because I can guarantee you this, they will be glad to tell you that often you don't hear even though you hear it. It goes in one ear and out the other. And we get so accustomed because, and I, I spoke about some of this on Wednesday night, with the noise of our lives that we cannot discern the truth of God, we can't see the truth of God, we can't experience the truth of God because we have blinders. We're unable to see lostness that's in our midst. We are perfectly capable of acknowledging everybody else's sinfulness and, notify, and, and noticing everybody else's problems, but when it comes to looking at our lives at a close inspection, we fail ultimately in seeing how our lives embrace a certain amount of lostness. What type of soil do our lives encompass? The Bible says here in this passage in chapter 13 that the righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Because while their hearts were calloused, where there was no feeling, that they were numb, and they were hardly able to hear with their ears, and they had closed their eyes. If you look in verse 14, notice the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. See, there's so many things that affect our soil. Now, one of the things that the enemy is doing in this very moment to affect our soil is it's hotter than Hades in this room. And I, you know, I believe in calling out the elephant in the room. That is the elephant in the room. And if we're not careful, we will focus on our sweat drops without focusing on the drops of blood that Jesus gave on the night, the Good Friday, and the resurrection. If we're overwhelmed by these external things rather than being overcome by the power of God, we can see, but we don't see. We can hear, but we don't hear. It's not only possible that this happens, it's plausible and it affects every single one of us. The ability to physically be able to see, to physically be able to hear, and to spiritually be calloused and numb to the total effect of the gospel. Here in Carter County, there are hundreds if not thousands of lost people. 
I'll even go a step further. Here in Carter County, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people that are in church every Sunday that if they were called to go to their maker this very moment and this very time, they would be rendered lost. Because their hearts have grown callous. Now, listen, no one, listen, when, when, when you ask a child, when you ask a child what they want to be when they grow up, no child says, I want to be a drug pusher, I want to be a drug abuser, I want to be a divorcee, I want to be a homosexual, I want to be whatever it is that plagues them. No one says that. I want to be a cheater, I want to be a liar, I want to be an adulterer. No child says that. Nobody, when they exchange vows on this stage in marriage, says, I want to have a life of brokenness and I want to have a divorce. No one does that. No one, when they walk down an aisle and pray and receive Christ and accept them in their lives and they have that genuine joy and that commitment, or it appears that they have that genuine joy and a commitment, no one plans a year later or two years later or three years later to throw in the towel and walk away from the faith. Yet, there are many of us who know people that were once very, 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 appeared to be hot on the gospel, that were workers for the church, that were, it appeared to be involved, that had embraced the truth of God. It looked like their lives had been transformed and radically saved, and yet today they're not in church. They've been burned. They're cynical. They're angry and they won't have anything to do with the faith community. Listen, there is no salvation outside of the church as long as we understand the church to be the body of Christ. You cannot be saved without Jesus. And what Jesus has done is he's given us his body which is the church. Therefore, to be disconnected from the church is to be disconnected from Jesus. Jesus valued the church so much that he gave his life for it. So it's worth embracing. It's worth pursuing. What type of soil do we find our lives embracing? We can have the best intentions in the world. Many of us have had good intentions all of our lives. But those good intentions often fall short of what we visualized, what we perceived, what we thought we were hearing... And there are stories of people that say, you know, I thought that I was in the will of God when I did such and such or when I said such and such. And then you look back and you think, wow, what was I thinking when I did this? What was I thinking when my life took that right turn or that left turn and suddenly you're involved in something that you never thought you'd be involved with? What type of soil do our lives embrace? Because the reality is, to see and perceive truth, to hear and become obedient to truth, does not happen automatically. Uh, You're not born as a follower of Christ. Even, listen, even if your mother brought you to church while you were still in the womb. It doesn't just happen automatically. Faith is not automatic. It is an intentional decision as a result of God's work through the Holy Spirit in our lives. He does all the work 
but we're priming the soil. What type of soil do our lives embrace? Because the reality is, if you look in verse 15, it says people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So let's think about our lives this morning. Let's think about what you're dealing with, what we're dealing with, individually and corporately. We all have issues. Now, I've done this before. Turn to the person to your right and say, you have issues. Now turn to your left and say, you have real issues. And then you need to say to yourself, but I have worse issues than either of you. We need to acknowledge where we are. We all have issues. We all have drama. We all have a private Jerry Springer type of life that's falling apart at, uh, sometimes even on our best day. Now, the fact of the matter is we don't want to acknowledge that. We want to pretend like our stuff doesn't sink. We want to pretend like our family is a perfect little family. And, you know, we kind of want to attend, for those of you who were born or lived in the 50s and 60s, grew up, you, you kind of you want to pretend that, uh, that, that your home is, is like June Cleaver. It's Leave it to Beaver. You know, mom and dad, they sleep in separate beds. Mom always wears those high heels in the kitchen. You know, she always has a perfect hair, always looks apart, perfect makeup. Doesn't matter if she wakes up in the middle of the night, she looks perfect. That's the kind of envisioning that we have. The problem is we're not listening, we're not seeing, we're not hearing because that is not our reality. It's not our reality. Our lives are chaos all the time. It's chaos all the time. I don't care if you are a, a, a wonderful follower of Jesus. I don't care whether you have the best soil. Your life is chaos. And the one thing that prevents people from coming and being a part of a local congregation is that people that are not connected to the faith community make the assumption, and sometimes the assumption is right, that church people think they're better than everybody else. We are no better than anybody else. Your stuff stinks, my stuff stinks, all of our stuff stinks, and if we really were honest, listen, there are some lost people out there that are actually living better moral lives than we are. But here's the hinge. You're not saved, we're not saved by doing what's right. We're not saved because we have the right doctrine. We're not saved because we do anything. We're saved because of the act of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And in two weeks, we're going to celebrate His resurrection. The question is, is Jesus still dying on the cross for us or is He resurrected indeed? What story does our lives give credence to? Do we continually put Jesus on the cross or are we living in the power of the resurrection? One is dark and dismal, one is beautiful and bright. And the decision is for us, what's the soil of our lives? Do we have soil that tramps it out? Do we have soil that works? Do we have soil that seems good, appears good, but in the end is, is not good? What type of soil do we have because you and I need to understand that if we 
are going to have healing, there always must be some turning. There is no healing without turning. And let's just, let's just take it back from the spiritual a second. Let's just talk about physical, emotional, psychological. Okay, let's, let's talk about therapy for a second. If you are involved or you have an issue that's affecting your life, just if, if we want to divorce, you know, kind of divorce ourselves from the spiritual life a second, let's just talk frankly. All of us have issues that affect the spiritual life but may not originate in the spiritual life. But they affect the spiritual life. There is no healing from that emotional damage, that emotional baggage, that psychological damage, that psychological baggage, the physical baggage, or the physical damage that we see. There is no healing until you and I decide to make a change. And oftentimes that change means that we have to turn from a certain existence and walk in the other direction. If you and I are serious about living a fulfilling life, then we have to be serious about change. If you and I are going to be growing in our fellowship of Christ, it involves constant change. So show me a person that is not changing and I will introduce you to a person that is dying or is already dead. Show me a church that is not changing and I will introduce you to a faith community that is dying. And they're all around. They're even here in Carter County. What type of soil... Is a part of our life. What type of soil is a part of his church here at First Baptist Elizabethan? Hearts that are calloused, no feeling, numb, hardly hear, hardly see. But if we are to perceive the truth, if we are to be obedient to the truth, it's going to require us to turn. Now I want you to look. Jesus explains. And what I love about Jesus is you would think parables were meant to break down big concepts so that we could get it. You would think that the people that were closest to him would get it. You would think the motley crew of disciples that he enlisted would get it. You would think that they would be obedient followers of Jesus because they had seen his miracles. They had seen all these things happen. And yet we find Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 when crowds have come around, when they've been able to see the miracles, when they've been able to hear about the miracles, but yet they've not been able to perceive or really hear what's going on. Jesus, though he's speaking in the simple truths of a story which is supposed to relate to a crowd, we even find Jesus having to explain the story. Why? Because even as smart as followers of Christ are, even as smart as some of us think that we are, we still need Jesus to explain it to us. On our best day, we are dumb. On our best day, we cannot understand the mysteries of the kingdom. On our best day, we struggle with the reality of how do you get everything for nothing? How is it truly free? Well, it's free because Jesus paid the price. 
It's not free because grace didn't cost anything. Grace cost God his own life. Never forget that. I know it's hard to forget that when you've got cute little bunnies hop, hop, hippity hopping all over the place and when you're more concerned about whether you've gone to Ingalls to get your eggs to die rather than celebrating the resurrection, the power of hope that Jesus comes on Resurrection Sunday morning when death is conquered, the world is finalized. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus says it's finished... It's finished. It's finished for the universe. It's finished for all time, all generations. It's finished for you. So quit. Listen, it's done. It's done. If you're losing a spiritual battle, it's not because Jesus hasn't won. It's because you've bought into the lie that you can't be more than a conqueror through him. Because when we have the right type of eyes, the right type of vision, and the right type of soil to receive the gospel, to hear the gospel, to apply the gospel, then we realize we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. What type of soil do we have? Hear the parable. There's seed on the path. The Bible says... When people hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. That's seed that's just tossed on ground that's not receptive to the seed that's been given. And so what happens? The seed falling on rocky ground refers to people who hear the word at once, receive it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. This is, where I, this is where I want to camp out this morning. Dozens of us in this room accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior. We can name the date and the time. If you can't, that's okay, but a lot of us can. And so what happens is you, you equate walking the aisle, praying a prayer, getting baptized, and that sequence of events as the event, so to speak. And so you will say today, well, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm a believer. But then if I ask you, are you saved, you'll say yes. But if I ask you... What type of fruit are you producing? It's like, what, what, what do you mean? Well, if the seed took in the soil that you have been working on and it produced a plant, is it producing fruit? Because here's the thing, when you and I don't produce fruit, we are outside the will of God. God doesn't produce a fruit tree that he desires to produce fruit and it, it refuses to do it. God doesn't produce things in order that they be squandered. God gives his gifts, his talents, and his mercy and his grace so that we can live up to our fullest and greatest potential. Namely, his fullest and greatest potential for us. What type of seed, what type of soil are we receptive to it? Because so many people have come in and the seed is sown and wow, they're so excited. But because they have no roots, because they don't develop roots. Listen, when you and I come to Christ, that is the beginning. It is not the ending. It is the beginning of the journey of faith. And all throughout the course of your life, it is about growing and developing deeper roots so that when the seed is sown, we can produce the fruit that God intended us to produce. So many of us are miserable today. 
We're miserable because we know we're not producing fruit like we should. We're miserable because we bought into the lie that if I'm just good enough or if I pray hard enough or if I seek him well enough that I'm going to be okay. No, you're not going to be okay. You can be good. You can memorize scripture. You can come to church. You can be involved in missions. You can go halfway around the world and teach people about Jesus and love on people. You can participate in vacation Bible school. You can pray a prayer. You can walk an aisle. You can get wet in a baptismal pool. And you still will go to hell as a lost person. Why? Because you've seen but not seen. You've heard and you've not heard. You've not been able to perceive the truth of God that's real because you're so caught up in you. You're so caught up in your circumstance or your inability to do good things, your inability to make the mark or your inability to be what you want to be. Listen, you and I never need to be what we want to be. We need to make sure that we are exactly what God wants us to be. Listen, God has not called us to be successful. God has called us to be faithful. And our world and our country and our nation... They will tell you that success is about making money or that success is about education or success is about having your own home or this or that. Listen, success is about being faithful to the Lordship of Christ. If you've lost everything, you've lost nothing as long as you have Jesus. He is the source of our strength. He is the help that we so desperately need. He is the hope for the hopeless, the help for the helpless. He is the one who bids us to come. He is the one who calls. Are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we seeing? Are we perceiving? What type of soil do we have? Because if we have no roots, though a plant may grow, it won't bloom. It won't bloom. I told you before, I am no gardener in any way, shape, or form. I touch it, it dies, unless it's a weed. I grow weeds very well. In Louisiana, I bought a blood orange tree and a lime tree. Now, some of you will know this story. Bought a lime tree, paid $24.99 for that lime tree. That's a lot of money back in 2003 for a stupid tree. Bought that tree, planted it. It was pretty and green. I fertilized it, tilled up the soil, didn't produce limes. My blood orange tree didn't produce oranges. I mowed it down. I did. I got tired of having to weed it around the puppy. After two years of nurturing that stupid tree, I absolutely ran over it with the lawnmower. It gave me the greatest satisfaction of my life. But that lime tree, gosh, it was flush and full of beautiful leaves. I was like, woo, can't wait till the season of limes coming. Do you know it never produced a lime? I moved to South Carolina. I came back for a funeral. There were limes all over that tree. I felt like Jonah. I'm going to curse this tree. How dare this tree flourish. The purpose of a lime tree is to produce limes. We don't buy a lime tree to look pretty. We want it to produce limes because we're tired of paying 88 cents at Ingalls for them. He didn't produce any of them. What about us? 
could have deep roots. Could be pretty. Could be flush and green. But if we're not producing the fruit that God intended us to produce, we are not measuring up to His standard. And I want you to hear this very clearly. It's not about measuring up to your wife's standard or your husband's standard or to your mama's standard or to your daddy's standard, although you better respect their standards. It's about measuring up to his standard. People can applaud you in this life. They can pat you on the back and say, wow, you're such a great follower of Christ. Just because rumor is that you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you are. Proof is in the pudding. Proof is in the fruit that you and I produce. So I, I dare to say that most of us, fruit inspection is not doing too well in our lives. Because most of us have bought in the lie, if we just look the part. Now what did looking the part look like years ago? Well, looking the part years ago, when I was coming through in the mid-80s, early 80s in the church where I, where I was, where I grew up, uh, you wear a suit, you wear a nice little tie, you have the biggest King Jimmy Bible that you've ever had in your entire life, and you can recite John 3.16 from memory. You know the books of the Bible, all 66 of them, the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 of the New Testament, and you can recite them in one breath. I got an award for doing that. It was a big whoop-de-doo then, though, you know? For those of us in this room... We could ask, how much do you care about missions? Hands will go up. I believe in missions. I believe in giving to missions. Some of you have been bold enough to go do missions and to travel. Students are going to be traveling to Belize. You have multiple opportunities to be engaged in missions this summer. But here's the thing. If you and I are willing to go across the world, but we can't even cross our street... There's a problem. And it goes back. Listen, it's not God's problem. It's our problem. What type of soil are we involved with? Do we really see the needs around us? This interview this week that I had, there was a social issue that she was interviewing me about. And she asked me how this issue was affecting our community. And I said, let me tell you something. This issue is not even on my radar screen. And I don't even think it's on the radar screen for most of the people in Carter County because the issue is this. In Carter County, the three primary issues that I see, poverty, open your eyes, drug use, prescription drug abuse, as well as methamphetamine, huge, huge, and mental health. Gosh. You see, D Jesus died for all those people. He died for the poor, he died for the rich, he died for the mentally sane, he died for the mentally insane. Jesus died for everyone. We don't get to choose who's worthy of the gospel because guess what? If it comes down to worthiness, there's not one righteous. No, not one. We live on a prayer. We live on his grace. What type of soil do we have? 
Seed among thorns, we hear the word, but the worries about the word, the worries of the church. And notice, notice what it says here. I think this is, this is interesting. Since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Do not equate your persecution as persecution of the word. Okay, we have a tendency to think, oh, I'm being persecuted. Somebody doesn't like me. Somebody unfriended me on Facebook. Somebody gossiped about me on Facebook. Grow up. But you know what reality is? For even those of us who are followers of Christ, we are more concerned about what somebody else thinks of us on Facebook than what many of us perceive and think about what God thinks about us. We will fall all to pieces because somebody didn't invite us to some kind of social event. Really? I'm sorry, I thought I left middle school years ago. And see, it's not just young people. It's senior adults that get all riled up. Let the main thing be the main thing. You and I better be concerned about what God thinks of us. We better be concerned about our fellowship of Him. We better be concerned about what type of soil that we have. We better clean out our ears. I know there's enough wax in our ears to build several monuments of candles. But here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Hearing the word and seeing the word, it's not because the word's not coming forth. It's not because God's not speaking to us. It's because his word falls on a deaf ear. And listen, whether that deaf ear is intentional or whether it's a result of being hurt and broken with the walls going up all around us. Listen, I know both, both are realities. But here's the thing. It's no excuse. Do you think, listen in closing, do you think when the people of God were challenged to go into a promised land, do you know why they were not allowed to go in the promised land when they wanted to? Because they weren't ready. They wandered in the wilderness for generations. Why? Because they were not ready to receive the blessing of God. And when Joshua manned up, and when Joshua went before that great wall, do you think he looked at that wall and said, well, we need to go back home to the wilderness because there's no way we're going to be able to conquer this. No, he had a strategy. He had a strategy. And I can tell you what it personally his strategy was. Let's get our artillery. Let's get our Sherman tanks. Let's get everything that we have and put it on the table. But because he could hear from God, because he was able to perceive and see what God wanted to do, he chose not to use the wisdom of the day. He chose to walk around a city wall for seven days and then on that seventh day, to beat his chest as loud as he could, to take the metal and the armor or whatever it is they had and make as much noise as they wanted to or they could. And as a result, the walls came tumbling down. They didn't come tumbling down because there was a catapult. They didn't come tumbling down because some sword. They didn't come down because some Hiroshima bomb. It came down because one man who was a leader and the people listened. They heard from God. They saw from God. And they pursued God even when it was not wisdom that typically was thought to work in that day. Guess what? The same is true here today. What type of soil do we have? The gospel goes forth. The gospel has been spoken. Do we hear it? Do we see it? And this morning in this invitation, are we willing to turn towards Him? Are we willing to have God move in our lives in a real and personal way? Are we willing to take and really examine the soil that encompasses our lives?
It's not about looking apart. It's not all about getting worked up or emotional. It's about Him and what He's done in the person of Jesus Christ on a Good Friday and an awesome Resurrection Sunday. Will you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you today and as we seek your face in this time of invitation, may you guide our decisions. May we be able to see and hear. Really see and really hear. As we examine our lives and our walk, may we trust in you for the one who comes today and says, I want to know that I know that I know that I'm a follower of Christ. I am the person that's described. I'm callous. I've been burned. I've, been, I've become cynical. And the gospel doesn't have the same effect as it once did. Lord, bring us back to a childlike faith. For others who say, gosh, I, I really would like to be a part of a church like this. I really think that God is calling me to serve and to be utilized here in this place at First Baptist. That opportunity is open as well. There are others that have issues, whether those are mental issues, psychological, physical, emotional, the baggage that we carry. Listen, the chains which hold us down are never as heavy as the chains from which we've been freed. May we pursue you. May we respond from a stance of eyes that see and ears that hear. Hearts that are open and a willingness to follow. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing, as we respond, won't you come just as you are?